The last uh, few weeks we've been talking about the forgotten pursuit. We're talking about the pursuit of holiness. And, you know, when you say the word holy in the body of Christ or in the church world, it's, uh, it's not necessarily the most popular thing that, that uh, uh, people don't you know, necessarily want to talk about or, or hear about. Uh, guys, you can turn me down just a little or take me out of the monitor or something just, just a little. But can everybody hear me okay? Give me a, okay. All right, good. But, uh, you know, holiness is one of those things where you start talking about it. You say, hey, we need to be holy. The Bible says, you know, be holy. The Scripture says, you know, and Jesus... Uh, you know, he was holy, he was without sin. I mean, we need to be like him, we need to not mess up, we need to, you know, and then people just, uh, but, you know, I think a lot of that comes from a misconception of what holiness is and what it means to be holy. And so uh, let's pray real quick for a moment and then we'll, we'll just dive right in. Father, we just thank you for this morning, we just thank you for your word, we thank you for what you've done over these past few weeks. Lord, I thank you for that our attention could be on you here uh, on on what you have to say to our hearts, to our minds. Lord, I just thank you that all distractions are gone. I just think that these are your words, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I believe the church, uh, by and large, has lost uh, the pursuit of holiness. We hear a lot about grace, and grace is really good, and we need the grace of God. And we need the grace of God, though, also to be holy. And I believe that the Scripture says to be holy... As I am holy, and he and it's a command statement, and that he would not have put something in the in the scripture that was impossible to obtain, or something too hard for us to do. I believe that we can do it. When it says "Thou shalt not kill," I believe we don't have to go around killing people. When it says "Thou shalt not lie," we don't we don't have to lie. We don't have to do these things. Uh, and God will give us the strength to do them. And God can give us the strength to be holy. He can give us the tools, He can give us the knowledge of what holiness is, what it's all about, and we can walk in it. Amen? I said, I'll put a statement on the screen, it says, the do comes after the who. I said this because, you know, the, the doing or your behavior begins to follow who you become. So the do comes after the who, and a lot of times with holiness... We think that, uh, you know, it's this list of do's and don'ts. Okay, I've got to do this, got to not do that, do this, not do that. But really, holiness is affections. It's not new behaviors for us to correct our behavior or how we're acting or disciplines. Now, the behavior, you know, that's good. I mean, we've got to correct our behaviors. But holiness is affections. It's new desires. It's new motives that then lead to those new behaviors. As your affection for, for Christ begins to grow, as your love for God begins to increase, then your behavior will follow that. As my love began to increase for my wife, the first time I met her, you know, I didn't know her. I didn't really love her. I liked what I saw. Uh, and so therefore I pursued, you know, pursuit. But it wasn't until after I got to know her and to begin to spend more time with her. Here she comes. There she is. And as I began to get close to her, I began to just really fall in love with her. And so my actions began to change. My actions weren't all about me all of a sudden. My actions were about her. They lined up with all about her and pleasing her. And for all of you who are married, just a tip, it's all about pleasing your spouse. It's not about you being happy in your happiness. If you're getting married for your happiness... 
or get to be happy, don't get married. <laughs> don't get married. It's all about the other person. And when you do that, there's so much fulfillment in that. And then you actually end up being happy. Amen. You actually end up having joy in your marriage and having a wonderful marriage. And that's how it is with God. We're called the body, you know, the body of Christ or the bride of Christ. You know, uh, many say that. We are His bride. In other words, we're to be in love with Him. We're to love God first and foremost in our lives. We love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, with everything about us. Tyler Braun, he said this, Holiness is not found in strict rule-keeping alone. It's found in our desire of the Holy One. And as we desire Him more and more, just like a husband would desire his wife or a wife would desire her husband, the more those desires come, and we, uh, the more that we desire Him, the more that our behaviors will begin to change. The more that we will be like Him. The more we will want to please Him. The more that we will want to walk and obey His commandments. The more that we, And the easier it becomes to obey His Word, the easier it becomes to do the things that He's laid out for us. Because all of these commandments in, in the Bible, it's not to take away our fun. It's because God knows what's best for us, just like parents know what's best for their children. Amen? And so... We're to pursue holiness by really pursuing God and increasing our affection towards Him, our love towards Him, that relationship and spending time with Him. Because holiness is not new affections. It is new affections. It's not new behaviors. Last week we focused more on, on sin and what sin is and how that sin is it's disobedience to God. But, but first and foremost, sin reveals our desire to be like God instead of serving God because we're, we're to serve Him. But we, we learn from the original sin, the fall in, in, in Genesis, that that was the temptation that the serpent tempted Eve with. He said, well, when you eat this, you'll be like God. And so that sin, is, it's a distortion of the goodness of God made you know, in man and, and, and the creation and everything He's made. Sin, sin distorts all of that. It messes everything up. It messes up your Eden. You know, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. And so it messes those things up. And that original sin shows us how sin at its core is a desire to really just do what we want to do instead of what God wants to do. Human behavior, we're selfish. And, and you know, are naturally we, we're born. I don't have to teach my children to be selfish. They just are. You know, as they come up, they, mind, my toy, you know, uh, you know, when they're little. And the two, and, you know, little Joshua, you know, Sarah's, you know, starting to walk. She's just starting to walk, and he clocks her upside the head with one of his toys because she's trying to grab it, you know, and she's screaming and crying, you know, and then she gets mad, and she's going after him, and, yeah, it's just just the way they are. They're not just like this little loving little creatures (laughs) crawling around. Now, I I mean, when they want to snuggle, I mean, they want to snuggle. But when they want to cry, they're going to cry. And when they poop in their diapers, they poop in their diapers. Sometimes it's messy growing up. And us, and, you know, as Christians, in, in our walk with God, it can be a little messy growing up. How many know it just it isn't perfect? It's not a perfect thing. It, you know, and we're not going to be perfect just right off the bat. But as we desire Him more and more, as we run to Him, those things, there'll be less and less mess. And we'll get potty trained. Everything will be all right. We'll stop pooping in our diapers, so to speak. We'll stop doing those things. And many of us have, and we've moved on, and we're growing in God. But I believe God, just no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ, you have not obtained 
Okay, you, you have not arrived. I have not arrived. I fall short all the time still. How many can testify to that? We fall short so we can still grow. We can still uh, grow in Him. Ed Cole said, All sin promises to serve and please, but only desires to enslave and dominate. Isn't that so true? That that's what sin does. You know, it looks so good and we want it. And we're like, oh, it's so attractive. But really what it does, it, it, it just enslaves us and dominates us. This morning I want to talk about shame and how shame, if left unchecked, can prevent us from being holy. Now there's two types of shame. There's one that's a good kind of shame that causes us to turn and repent when we feel ashamed and that guilt starts to cause us to, to, to feel shame and we turn right then and there and we, we repent and we change. But then there's the bad kind of shame where we bury our sin, where we hide our sin. It's like a, it's a toxic shame, if you will. And it messes us up. And it stays with us because we've covered our sin, we've covered what we've done wrong, and we don't properly deal with it, and it keeps growing, and it keeps festering inside of us. And that's why it's so toxic, and it messes things up. And shame can stand in the way of us being holy. And when we're stuck in patterns of sin, we tend to hide it from friends, family, those around us. Then we fall into an overwhelming sense of, uh, of guilt, and guilt is a little different from shame. Guilt is like those beginning stages that can turn into shame, but guilt is the feeling we feel after we have seen our sin and acknowledge it for what it is. And I want to go to Genesis 3 again and look in, in verse 7. Now, we, we read the first few verses in Genesis last week, and this is right after Eve had uh, eaten, and then Adam watched her eat, so it was all his fault. And then he ate as well. He should have busted that snake in the head, but he didn't. So when you get to heaven, like I said last week, punch Adam in the mouth, don't slap Eve. His fault. So, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So, they realized that they had messed up. They realized what they had done. And immediately, their first response was, what? Let's hide. Let's hide this thing. Let's cover this thing up. And the thing is, is that guilt can either lead us towards repentance, or that guilty feeling can lead us towards shame. Where we really don't admit our guilt and that we had something wrong, we did something wrong, and we just cover it up, and that shame just begins to grow, and it becomes who we are. We're going to talk more about that. Because shame says that being exposed would be too painful. That's why it's got to hide. It's got to hide it all in. It doesn't want to talk about the thing that is wrong. Shame isn't going to expose it to everybody else. And it doesn't matter that the best thing for us is to bring it out into the light, how we're really feeling and how, what that sin's really done and the pain that it's caused and what we're dealing with, what we're doing. It doesn't matter about that. Oh, let's get our fig leaves. Let's put it on. Let's, let's, let's hide in the trees. Let's hide in the bushes. Let's hide this thing from everybody else. And that's what shame will do. That's what shame says. Shame says that, uh, you know, a person, it also says, you know, a person... Or, or people who, who would find out about it, oh, they're going to look at us, you know, different now. And you know what? They might. But, you know, they, they may 
judge us now and they may not want to be our friends anymore or you know they may not respect me again if 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 they find this out if they find out how i really feel if they find out what i've been doing I want to put the definition of shame on the screen. It's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. And when we begin to feel that right there, this humiliation, this, this distress, or the, or the pain, pain that, 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 that this shame causes, when we feel those things, that's when we need to run to the Lord. And we need to repent. And we need to not hide it any longer. We need to come out from it and be changed in His glory. Amen? Let's look at verses 9 through 19 in Genesis. And I want to read what happened right after they hid themselves. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, it's not like God didn't know where they were, because God knew, because God knows everything. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. He just wanted to hear Adam, you know, say And he said to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. So right there, what's he doing? He's still hiding. He's still hiding. He's not coming out and admitting it. He's blaming somebody else. And when you're blaming somebody else or you're blaming a circumstance or something that's happened to you for your sin, you're still hiding. You still have the fig leaves on. You're still behind the bush. You're still hidden in the trees. Let's keep reading. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So again, what is she doing? She's still what? Come on, church. She's still what? She's still hiding. She's still got the fig leaves on. She's justifying her her sin. She's blaming somebody else. And this is what shame does. It wants to justify. It wants to blame. Because it's too painful to say, it was my fault. It was me. Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, both both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, from you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is an amazing judgment that God passed, passed down. Now see, when I read this, I start thinking about my children and I start thinking about how that when they've done something wrong, I'm going to sit and I'm going to talk to them. And most of the time I start asking a question, just like God asked a question. Are y'all listening? Okay. See, God asked the question, where are you at? What did you do? They had an opportunity Right there 
to admit. And you know what? We'll never know how it would have been and what the judgment would have been, what the punishment would have been had they admitted their sin. Have you ever thought about that? But see, they decided to stay what? Hidden. They decided to hide, to keep hiding, to justify, to blame shift. So when I ask questions to them, it's not that I don't know, I already know, I'm looking for a certain response. Because that's going to determine what my judgment is. Are you hearing me, church? And so that's, that's the relationship that I have between me and my children. And God, when he, that is the same type of relationship that he has with us because we are the children of God. When he's asking you, when he's dealing with you, when you have those feelings, he's, and that feeling inside and the Holy Spirit's prompting you, and you know you've done something, and it's like grieving you on the inside, and you have that pain, he's looking for something. He's looking for something. He's wanting you to express And say, I messed up. I goofed up. He's not wanting you to keep it hidden. He's not wanting you to bury it. When you feel those feelings on the inside, and you know what that feeling is, right? And you feel it. He doesn't want you to bury that. He wants you to bring it out in the open. I want to read this from my notes. My notes, when we cover up our guilt, we aren't allowing God to come into our lives and heal the pain. We then convince ourselves that God is withholding His love from us we end up having a closer relationship with sin than than with God. We can even get to the point where we believe the lie that God just lets us down. We allow our love for God to be replaced with a love for our own happiness and our affections are no longer given to God. We eventually become comfortable with sin, which leads us down the road from guilt to shame. And see, this is true because, you know, shame, when you keep it hidden... There's a broken relationship with God. You're not able to draw on His strength to be able to continue to overcome and to be an overcomer because the relationship at that point, it's broken. There's a breach there and it needs to be patched up. It needs to be fixed. And so when you have that there and you keep covering and shame sets in, it causes you to not be able to overcome that sin. The more of that in a moment, because I want to go even deeper, because this this is the real important part. If you don't hear anything else this morning, church, hear this. Shame messes up your identity. Shame messes up who you are. And remember earlier in the other previous messages we said the do comes after the who? Shame will prevent you from even getting to the who. If you live a life that's a shame-based perspective, and you live in shame, you will never obtain who you're supposed to be in Christ. And so God wants us to uncover the the things that, that we're hiding. He wants us to put down those things and lay it at His feet, repent before Him, and uncover those things that have caused us to have those intense feelings of guilt that's turned into shame. He wants us to get out from under that so that we can become who we're supposed to be for God. Identity is this, it's, it's how you see yourself. It's the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. When people see you, it's, it's, it, it, it's who you are. You know? And the thing is, is that shame, it messes with that. It messes it up because guilt says you made a mistake. That's what guilt says. 
But shame says, you are the mistake. That's what shame continues to say. And when you live in shame, you're beating yourself down. It just, it's constantly beating you down. You're the mess up. You're the mistake. See, guilt says, I messed up. But see, guilt can either lead you, remember, we said this earlier, in one of two directions, to repentance or can lead you down the road of shame and a shame-based life. So when you feel the guilt, it's a whole lot better to repent and to deal with it and come out from... uh, from, You remember that feeling the last time you repented before the Lord and you did something and it just felt so good? How many remember that? How many know what it's like when you really truly repent and how good it feels on the inside? Isn't that awesome when our loving Heavenly Father comes down and He just wipes all that out on the inside? I believe that God desires for us not to live a shame-based life based on things of our past and the things that we've done and the attachments to the sin that has so easily beset us. As the Scripture says, He wants us to come above that and walk above that. Colossians 3 3 says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. See, the thing is, I don't care what you've done, you don't have to live in shame. You're a child of God. Romans 8, 15 says, for you have received the spirit of a bondage again to fear. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He's our heavenly Father. We are his children. We do not have to live in shame. We can come and fix that. Ephesians 2.10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created for good works, church. We're not created to live in shame. We're not created for shame. God didn't design our bodies to live with shame. It, it stresses you out. It'll even break down your physical body. It causes all kinds of issues when you're covering and hiding in shame. Shame, I said this earlier, that we eventually become comfortable with sin. And that's what shame will do, that it will allow us just to, just to become comfortable with it because it's like, oh, what's the use? Oh, well. In other words, what shame begins to do, it begins to harden your heart. And it begins to make you callous to, to the things that you know you're supposed to be doing. Callous, you know, uh, uh, your heart just, just gets real hard and it's not soft anymore. It's not tender. When... Tyler Brown, he said this, while guilt over sinfulness can often lead to repentance, shame leads to, leads to indifference, intolerance, lack of vulnerability, and lack of intimacy with others as it burrows its way further into our minds. The thing, you know, it's like if you tell a lie and you, you end up, you feel real bad and you go, oh man, I cannot believe I did that. But you don't really properly deal with that. You don't get into the Word with it. You don't repent. You don't really turn from it. You just go, ah, I just, I can't believe I did it. And next thing you know, you lie again, covering up that one. And then you lie again and again and again. And, and now it's kind of like, ah, oh, well, what's the use? Ah, I'm, I'm nothing but a liar. See, it's, it's who you've become. Because you felt so much shame before, you couldn't go to the person who said, I'm sorry, I lied. Will you forgive me? You couldn't do that because of the shame. And you decided to stay in it, and therefore now you've become a liar. See, that's what shame will do. And then you become indifferent to it because it's too painful to really deal with it, to let it open up and be healed. You cover it, you bury it, you do it again and again until you're not feeling guilty about it 
any longer. Satan desires to put shame at the forefront of our lives. It's extremely powerful because his thoughts become who we are. Shame will not allow us to get to that who that I was talking about earlier. Who we become. We can't be holy if shame has a hold of us. Marilyn Hans, she's a Christian author. She wrote uh, uh, Sin Lift, uh, Shame Lifter. She said this, Shame seeks to paralyze you. Shame cuts you off from truly giving to and receiving from others. And the thing is, is that your shame could have come from something you've done to yourself or maybe somebody else did something to you and, you know, abuses or whatever it may be. It may have been birthed out of all these, you know, these different things. Either way, you cannot allow shame to define who you are. You can't allow what's happened to you in the past to continue to shame you. Robert S. McGee In the search for significance, he wrote, Shame is a prevailing sense of worthlessness that leads to the false belief, I am what I am. I cannot change. I am hopeless. And it's that same, one of the fruits of shame is self-loathing. You know, it's like, I'm worthless. I'm a nobody. I'm never going to get it right. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to amount to nothing. I'm just a worm in the dirt, poo. That's, that's what shame does. It keeps us there. It's one of the fruits of shame, that self-loathing, talking negative, and the enemy plays on it. and He just whispers it in your ear, and we, 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 we swallow it. We swallow that bait, hook, line, and sinker. Other fruits of shame, addictions, depressions, rage, being extremely angry, just flying off the handle. Why? Because we've covered something and we haven't properly dealt with it and it bothers us. It messes with our psyche. It messes with who we are. And so even when something little happens, we can blow up because that relationship is not right with God. The only cure for shame is God's love. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen. The only cure for shame is God's love. It's the only thing that can break the walls down. Too often we push aside God's love because of shame. We can get caught in that trap of believing that lie. I am what I am. I can't change. I got good news for you this morning. If, you, if you're one that you believe that you know, I am what I am, I cannot change. You can change. You can You can through the love of God. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated His own love... T- Toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, It's just so foundational. And when you look at that and and you really see, uh, He died for me, His love. And when when we really pray and we worship and we get in His presence and we think about that, and that's our mind, that God died for me, you can come out from anything. Anything. Because that's why He did it. Don't get caught in some of the lies that says there's no way that you know, God could love me after all I've done. There's, there's no way God will bless me after what I've done. Those statements are more about how you feel about yourself rather than what God says about you. It's more about you because God says that you're, head, you're the head and you're not the tail. God says that you're more than a conqueror. He says, you're my child. He says, you're blessed. That's His confession over you. And so that should be ours. Our action or inaction doesn't dictate God's love for us. God's love continues to be poured out despite our bad choices. No matter what, His love is always flowing. 
All we have to do is open up and receive. And that's what I wish, I, I, you know, if Adam and Eve, boy, if they had just opened up their arms and, and just and said, you know, I'm broken before, I, I messed up, I did it. I, I believe the love of God would have come down right there. I believe, that's what I believe. We've got to push beyond any self-serving part of our lives and allow the love of God to penetrate our lives. Colossians 2.14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So why do we keep picking it up so many times? We need to put those things in the rearview mirror, repent and move on. Amen? J.I. Packer, he's a Christian theologian, he said this, The life of true holiness is rooted in the soil of odd adoration. It does not grow elsewhere. I want to give you five steps really fast and just read these off in becoming free from shame. We're going to post these notes online, churchpluggedin.com. You can get those. Any, all these scriptures are, are going to be there. These five steps will be there, but five steps in becoming free from shame. Number one, accepting that which cannot be changed. Accepting that which cannot be changed. Do you know what that is? It's your past. You can't change what happened ten minutes ago. You can't change what happened ten years ago. Just accept it and let's move on. Number two, bringing your past or current situation out in the open. You know, James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Now, I was asked recently, you know, should I go to another person and, and tell them, you know, if I'm forgiving them, you know, I, should I tell them, you know, that, that I'm forgiving them? I, look, should I tell them I messed up and I did, you know. So in other words, how much do I reveal to somebody else? Listen, when it's still bugging you and you can't get past it even after you pray and, and you know, that person's on your mind, you have to go talk to them. But look, if you've repay, re- prayed, you've repented, you've done, I mean, and you've done it and you haven't done them wrong, you're just, you know, you're holding, you don't have to go and start talking and bringing up stuff that, that, that that's his, ancient history. There's no need. If you're free, you're free. But if you're not, we need to confess our faults one to another. If it's still messing with you, if it's still messing you up. Because why? It says here that ye may be healed. See, many times we'll bring stuff before God and we'll say, I'm sorry, but we're not getting healed. There's something that's holding it back. And it's because we haven't opened it up and shared it with someone. Now be careful who you share it with. Number three, filling your life with the truth of who God says you are. Number four, and that's, that's just getting in His Word. I mean, just really getting in His Word. Asking for forgiveness, not just saying you're sorry. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big difference. You know, when you go to someone, you know, asking for forgiveness is different than just say, oh, I'm sorry. It, it really is. Number five, embracing the fact that God can change your future. God can change your future. How many believe that your future is bright? I do. I choose, to, I choose to believe that. Church, Jesus isn't in the business of beating us down. He's in the business of picking us up with His love and forgiveness. I want to tell you something. If you struggle with these thoughts and you have this thing going on where you feel like you're a nobody, you're this, you're that, uh, that's not God. That's not God. That's not God saying that. That's the enemy saying that. You're allowing yourself to to listen to that voice or you're beating your own self up. God thinks so much more of you than that. He loves you with everything that He has. I want to read as as the ending here 
This is Appendix C. It's called uh, Recognizing a Shame Receiver. This is in the back of the book called The Shame Lifter uh, that Marilyn Hans wrote. And I, I thought this was real, uh, you know, key because it gives us a few examples uh, that we can identify. Because some of us, sometimes we're living in shame and we don't even know it. We're, we're living a day-to-day life and we don't realize that we're beating ourselves up or we're allowing the enemy to beat us up. And church, there's something happening right now as I'm talking. There's something happening in here. So I want you guys really, really, everybody focus in for a moment. Dial into God's presence. God wants to do some healing this morning. God wants to do some healing, church. He really does. Here's some of the the signs that, that, that you need to be looking out for. This is recognizing whether or not you're a shame receiver. One who apologizes profusely even when something isn't his or her fault. Extreme people pleaser, overachiever. Feels responsible for everything. Denies needs. Perfectionist, always tries to do the right thing. Fails to meet his or her own expectations. Blames someone else if something doesn't go right. Tends to procrastinate. Difficulty hearing and receiving affirmation. Puts himself or herself down. Puts others down because he or she dislikes self. Believes he or she is defective. Deals with daily self-rejection. Continually notices his or her own faults and flaws even though no one else does. Believes he or she has nothing to offer and consequently sabotages his or her own success. Timid body language looks away from others, slumped shoulders, stammers, etc. Easily embarrassed, wishes he or she could evaporate or disappear, finds it easy to withdraw, finds it difficult to dream or wish for something. Self-criticism is so heavy inside, he or she cannot accept more criticism from the outside. Criticizes self before others can. Believes thoughts that he or she is worthless, unwanted, weak, dirty, incompetent. Seeks to be in control because inwardly he or she feels out of control. Deny his or her true feelings. Monitors and guards what he or she says. May also speak softly or in whispers. Feels empty. Feels something is wrong with him or her. May wrestle with eating disorders. Often struggles with addictions. Prone to lying, whether to others or self. Some of the things in Appendix D, some shame-based self-talk, common lies people believe about themselves that says, I am unworthy, stupid, ugly, fat, boring, bad, uninteresting, inadequate, an airhead, a mistake, a nothing, a bad friend, obnoxious, useless, a loser. I am no one. I'm not worthy of friendship. I am nothing but a failure. I'm too old to be much of importance anymore. I'm a has-been. I can't do anything right. I will fail. I have no value. If I talk, people will know I'm not smart. I'm not a good spouse. I deserve the hurts life has given me. Not as good as others. No one would love me if they knew all my secrets. Can't measure up. Can't believe God would forgive me for what I've done. No one would want me. There is something wrong with me. Let's all stand.
church, as I was studying this message, and I read those through, I looked at a couple of them and I thought, I'm guilty of that. I've said some of those things about myself. And these are hindrances to us being what God wants us to be, which is an overcomer, which is His children being able to being able to fulfill that first and greatest commandment and that second commandment. Thank you, Lord. This morning, if you're here this morning, and I read that those lists out, or maybe there was something I said, and we don't always do this, and I know we're out of time, but I just, I just believe God wants us to take a few minutes here. And He wants to do a little bit of healing in some of us. I really believe that. God wants to do a work in you. If you're here this morning, and one of those things, I've, I've been beating myself up with that, you know, and, and that, that's you. I want you to come down forward this morning. I'm not going to lay hands on you or anything like that. I just, you know, as, as Justin is, is playing there, and we're just going to keep playing. And Justin, you got to keep playing until I say stop. You know, we'll get the breakdown done. We'll get it all done. Whew. You know, as you're coming down here, just, just get before God and just press into Him. church if you're here in the back and you're not coming forward I just want you just to if you could with me agree and pray for these down front and I you can just pray there at your seat and and I just ask that everybody just stay in a you know uh, you know reverence before him and and if at any time if you need to slip out you need to go I understand that you can just you know you can slip out the back you can you know go at any time this morning so we're not going to do a a normal dismissal and we'll, we'll see you in the small groups but let's uh let, let's pray